Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Welcome to another edition of the Better Together podcast. I am your co-host, Rosario Picardo. And I'm Callie Picardo. And today we have a special guest, a good friend of mine, the Reverend Dr. D. Stokes. D. is um, a coach, a speaker, a mentor, and she is a published author, and she's also on the preaching team at her local church, and we are so glad that she can join us today. Welcome to the Better Together podcast, Dee. Thank you, Roz and Callie. I appreciate you guys, and it's so good to be here today. Now, there were so many things that um, you could talk to us about today because you have a wealth of experience and knowledge from all that you're involved in. Um, but we know that you came out with a workbook recently, and would you uh, be willing to share that with us? Sure. As uh, many people who know me know that uh, I have a background in cultural intelligence in that small little uh, paper I wrote called the dissertation. One of my um, constructs was cultural intelligence, and the other two were transformational leadership and burnout. I would highly suggest anybody listening who's writing a dissertation to not have three constructs, which meant three different surveys all in one. Uh, don't do that. But um, because of my love for cultural intelligence, which is actually something I got into um, simply because I was I started out researching emotional intelligence. And the and the survey um, was too much. Like it just was costly. And and so I reached out to my dissertation chair, and I said, you know, could, is there something else I could do? And so she sent me three or four articles and said, well, read these over the next month, and maybe you'll change your mind. And I did. And and I began to research cultural intelligence. Don't do that either in the middle of your dissertation. Don't change. Uh, but I did. And um, so I've I've fallen in love with it. Uh, I became a missionary. I traveled the world, and everywhere I go, whether it's in the U.S. or somewhere else, I see culture. And so I decided um, that I needed to write this book, but it's a workbook. So everybody, I'm not, and, I, and I, yes, I'm trying to sell copies, but no, I'm not trying to sell copies. But everybody needs a workbook. And the concept is that you would take eight to 10 of your best friends or enemies, whichever, and that you would sit in a room together for, 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 for eight to 10 weeks and actually do the workbook together. And the workbook is called Cultural Competence, The Key to Loving One's Neighbor. The best way to get it would be just to go to my website at dstokes.org and download a copy. It's less expensive than going to Amazon and all those things. And and get a copy for everybody and literally do it together. Love each other. Learn about each other. Understand each other. It is from a biblical perspective. Uh, You know, I use terms like ecclesiology and theology and those kinds of things. And so I I do a little teaching, like explain some things, and then there are, are matching, fill in the blank, 
questions for reflection that you can all do together while you're loving your neighbor. Grab your girlfriends, grab your, grab your gardening club, your people you work out with, um, or some people at work. Don't, don't just grab church people, right? Um, grab anybody, grab the stranger off the street and just do the workbook together and love each other. That is the purpose. Um, and, and that's why I wrote it. Dr. D, talk, tell us a couple of the topics that you dive into. I mean, and what is cultural intelligence? I mean, it, I think people probably have, when you hear that, probably have an idea in their mind, but I'm curious if the idea in their mind matches what you defined it as for this purpose. Yeah. So cultural intelligence is the ability to, to basically interact um, among cultures, right? Inter, intercultural. And I, I, I tend to use the term intercultural instead of diverse because in America, and I, and I've talked about this all over the world. So in America, when we think of diversity, we you often think of black and white, but culture is everywhere. It's everything. It's the way, it's the way we live. It's the way we dress, the way we talk language. It's the music we listen to. Um, why do my Latino neighbors across the street listen to the music they li- and I have some in my backyard too that sometimes get uh have concerts on Sunday afternoons and I just sit out on my porch and listen to them. Uh why do they do what they do? Why do I do what I do? Why why you know why are our cultural values and, and the workbook talks about cultural values, cultural intelligence. Um and and it talks about the church, how m- a lot of churches are not multi-ethnic, may not be multi-ethnic, but they're all multicultural. That's what I believe, right? Because you may look alike, but you still may have a different culture, right? So not all white people have the same culture. Not all black people have the same culture. Not all Latino people, Asian people have the same culture. And so it dives into those types of things. What is a starting point? I mean, really, when you're getting to know people or you're in a congregation, everybody has their own point in their journey and where they're at. And that makes it one of the challenges of being a communicator because we're trying to hit everybody on their different journey. And my personal philosophy is how can we move the needle for each individual? Um, When you're starting out, you know, having these conversations, what, what do you often hear when you kind of dive into this topic from just different people? I mean, have you received any pushback, any affirmations? What yeah. has been the general consensus? I, I've received mostly affirmation that people are really excited because I do a lot of workshops um, on this topic. And I, I've really been quite pleased and and I won't say surprised, maybe a little bit surprised, but that people have really received it Um, because my emphasis, and I make sure I tell them from the beginning, it's not on race. We talk about race a lot and, and people may not like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Sometimes we talk about it too much because race is a construct that we created, not one that God created. So we talk about anti-racism and, and, and all of these things, which, Racism does exist, but it's something we did. And so to undo, we must understand our, our brothers and our sisters and, and people uh, in the world. 
And so I, one of the workshops I was teaching, actually, I think it was a class I was teaching. Um, one of my students mentioned that could cultural intelligence be a spiritual discipline of engagement mm-hmm. or excuse me, not engagement of, of um, relinquishment, a spiritual discipline of relinquishment. And I thought about that. That blew my mind. And so I wrote about it and it's in the workbook. I put it in the workbook. What if we relinquished some portion of our culture to engage others, to love others? What if we did that? You know, most people don't want to do that. They don't want to relinquish their culture. They don't want to um, not do something that makes people feel welcome. You know, I think true hospitality is, is, is bringing someone into your circle, maybe bringing someone to your cookout who's not your family, but treating them like family and that they fit in so well, nobody knows that they're not a part of your family. No, that's the long lost cousin from Cleveland <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's what I want to see with people learning about culture. Um, so, yeah, so I, I actually give uh, suggestions in the back of the workbook on how to learn about people's culture. I tell them to go to museums, uh, take a friend. And I and I also, since we're in the time of COVID, uh, list virtual options, not just in-person options, right? But have a block party with your neighbors. Um, in, invite someone to go to dinner and go to different, you know, cultural places and and have them choose the place one time and you choose the place the next, you know, things of that nature. Um, and you'll get to know people uh, very, very well. Play golf with somebody, right? Golf takes a long time, uh, at least three hours, right? And if you're slow, four. Uh, <laughs> and you get to know people. So, yeah. I might take five hours playing golf, but <laughs> we get through. Um one of the things I've noticed is I feel like people, once they get in these conversations, think, oh, gosh, this is really good. I grew from this. But there's a lot of um feels like there's a high bar sometimes to get people to enter in to say yes, because um fear of what you don't know or fear of being stretched in ways that are uncomfortable or, you know, what what might it cost me to participate in this dialogue? Those questions, I think, are often going through people's heads. You know, we've seen that when we've just done multicultural conversations at our church. People, once they get in, are like, wow, this was really good. But up front, they either are worried about coming in or they think they already kind of know it. But, you know, I I found the more you lean in, the more you realize, oh, I've got a lot more to learn. It's kind of like when I study the Bible, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize I don't know and more I need to keep going. But I feel like it's like that with this cultural intelligence piece too. How do you get people to even be engaged and willing to enter, take that risk to enter into the conversation? Well, again, I make it about culture and not about anything else. Um, And there's no underlying thing I'm trying to get out of it. Uh, I really want it to be about culture. And so that's the way I introduce it. Uh, and, and again, cultural intelligence is the ability to, to, to be successful, um, and to interact among different kinds of people. That's all it is. And among different kinds of cultures. And it's interesting. I talk about 
cultural values and and I talk about expressiveness and and I give examples and then I allow other people to actually give examples if they if they feel comfortable right in their own lives where they've seen this and I also a lot of times if I'm working with a business uh, or people who work together I'll I'll mention how you can work with someone who has a different value than you and I and and I also start off by saying these values are not right or wrong. They're just values. You know, they're just values, you know, collectivism versus individualism. They're just values. There's no right or wrong. We don't do it better than other people do it. And and so um I try to start off kind of easing people's burdens <laughs> uh and hesitations that they have right from the beginning. Uh, to tell them that, and when they speak up, there's, there's no, I'm not going to correct you. You know, these are your experiences. I can't judge your experiences. What would you say to the person that maybe is fearful of engaging in conversation because they're afraid to say the wrong thing? Maybe Mm -hmm. you've encountered that before. And some of the folks um, I'm familiar with avoid any topic of cultural intelligence or um, any of those things because they're trying to avoid saying anything offensive. What would, what have you discovered in that? Yeah, I, you know, I've never even discovered anyone who's actually said anything offensive um, during our conversations, which is amazing, honestly. Um but I, I can honestly say no one has offended me or anyone in the room because usually the way I handle it is, again, I try to suppress those anxieties from the beginning to tell them we're just going to talk about how we do life, right? What kind of food do you like? What kind of uh, music do you like? Um, we're just going to talk about life. And when we get to the sensitive kind of sensitive stuff, um, I ask them, you know, would you like to share? And you don't have to share. But I've I've had people who have shared things. um, And and especially uh, sometimes I talk about unconscious bias as well. Uh, And that's a that's a hot button topic. Uh, Now, that is really sensitive. And we talk about different kind of bias and people will share, you know, and, and we talk about covering how people will cover certain things about their lives and not share them with people they work with or, 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 um, people they know. And when we get to that, um, people will, will say, you know, yeah, I cover where I grew up, you know, um, I, I, you know, people, people, um, have a bias against me because I'm overweight or, you know, those kinds of things. And so they become sensitive, uh, topics, but, Again, people are not forced, and I try to be very um, graceful, if you will, um, and and really try to make the room a room where people can share if they want to, and not force anybody to. Do you would have been uh, some of the most exciting breakthroughs you've seen people make? I I did well. I I did a. Um, class a couple summers ago, I think now, uh, maybe 21, uh, on um, bias and burnout. 
And when I talk about bias, I introduce cultural intelligence as um, sort of a key to dealing with bias. And two women in the class who were pastors decide to go on sabbatical. And that was a breakthrough for them. And I was took as the instructor, I was tickled pink because um, they weren't coming to the, it was a four week class. They weren't coming to the class thinking, right, that they're going to go on sabbatical and get some rest. And they were convicted to do it. And I, and I felt really good about that. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's so awesome. And so how can cultural intelligence link to burnout? What's the what's the connection point there? Well, there was really no burnout. No, excuse me, no connection to burnout. Um, but I mostly the bias was the connection to cultural intelligence as a strategy to uh, combat bias. And then the burnout came out. Um, the, the folks I did the, the class for wanted a little extra so that's how we kind of got that. But but really, it it worked out really well. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, I know you've um, been sitting with us for a while and you shared with us that you've got a word for this year. Tell us a little bit about about that and where you are in this season. I do. Yes. Thank you. Um, so my word is that the Lord gave me. Uh, and, and the Lord gives me a, a theme every year, but this year is, it's be restored. So Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. The, the phrase be still is the, is the word Rapha, which is the same word we use for Jehovah Rapha. But it means something different in that passage. It means to release, to be weak, to let go. And so um, the second part of that, be restored, um, is uh, Joel 2, 25a, the Lord says, I will restore the years. Now, if you remember, those nasty locusts came in Joel 1, and the Lord sent those locusts because of Israel's disobedience. And then the Lord says, I'm going to restore. And so be restored. My prayer is that we would be, we would release we would be weak. We would let go so that God would restore us in 2023. Do you receive that? I love that. And I love it. It ties to the relinquishing too that you kind of talked about earlier. Just the ability to say, okay, God, I just, I need you. I need you. Whatever that means for my life. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You, you also as a, coach um and you've been coached uh tell us about maybe some of your experiences in the past in a in a former life and kind of what's led you up to this point yeah so i actually used to be a division one women's basketball coach and so that's a little bit different than the coaching that i do now but um when i first went into coaching um the lord told me specifically to go and reach back to the people I was once one of. And I was living in, in Orlando, Florida at the time. And I heard the Lord clearly. And I said, well, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but um, but let me, you know, figure something out. Let me write a, a, a description on my website or whatever I did in the, in the moment. But I was driving to the park to go spend time with the Lord. And uh, 
a young man that I had worked with, he had coached on the men's side at one of the schools I had worked at, and I was on the women's side. And he calls me out of the blue. And I and I don't normally answer the phone, you know, if I don't know who it is, but I answered that day as I was stepping out of my vehicle to go walk. And he says, I saw your number on, he says, I just thought about you this morning and I saw your number on the on the website and I just took a chance and called you. And I said, you won't believe this, but the Lord has told me to start coaching, mentoring, discipling coaches, right? And he w- became my first coach that I started to to disciple. And we had a great relationship. He's now, he was an assistant then. He's now a head coach. But I, so I've had other coaches. So let me brag on those coaches uh, because I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on what God has done in their lives. They've all elevated which is really, so I don't tell them how to coach, right? That's not my, that's not my thing. I want them to know Jesus and, and I want to mentor them. So I had a coach who uh, went from being an assistant on the East coast to being a, uh, an assistant on the West coast. They won a national championship that year. <laughs> I've had a coach who went from being an assistant to a head coach. She's now in her um, third head coaching job. Um, two at the division one level, her second job at the division one level. I have another coach who he was, he and I have a really unique relationship and I call him uh, my spiritual son and love him so much. He uh, and I worked together at a school. He was on the men's side. I was on the women's side. And then I started mentoring when he, when I got out of coaching and he was an assistant coach, then he became a head coach. Then he became an athletic director and now he's the president at his institution. And I got a chance to um, be at his installation in September and speak a word and so proud of what he's done. So uh, love it. I, and I don't just mentor coaches. You know, I, I have some other mentoring relationships with pastors. I deal a lot with pastors and church planters and people of that nature. So it's been really rewarding for me. Uh, and I enjoy it. I probably get more out of it maybe than they do. So, what are the common themes are you hearing from pastors as you talk to them uh, during our present times? Yeah, um, burnout, <laughs> um, money. Been dealing a lot with money issues. Um, one of the things that I'm telling pastors is that you need to be bivocational or co-vocational. And I think there's a difference. I think bivocational, you just have a job because you got to pay the rent, you know, take care of your family. Co-vocational, you actually have a position because that God has called you to to both, you know, to be maybe work in the church and work like I do, you know, outside. I've, I've been in higher ed for over 25 years and don't plan on not being there. Um, and so I, I'm really pushing that. I'm, I'm pushing that in my own district. Um, as we're raising church planters, um, you know, I tell people all the time when baby boomers leave the earth, they're taking their tithes and offerings with them. And so I've been in a lot of innovation labs and a lot of conversations. I'm actually going to talk about this at Missio Alliance uh, in April. And um, it, it's an issue. And and it's a, I don't know, it's, it's a grave issue, honestly. Mm-hmm. And we need to talk about it more. 
and figure out what we're going to do financially, what we're going to do with all these buildings, how we're going to utilize them for the kingdom. Yeah. You mean we can't just keep pretending everything's just going to stay the same? Doesn't that work, D? That would be insanity, right? <laughs> yes. Well, D, as we wrap up, you know, imagine that the folks listening uh, to this podcast today, laity, pastors, everyone in between, or one of your coaching clients, what would you what would you say to them for 2023? Again, just be restored. Let God restore you. Be just God. I, you know, we we think so much that God. Uh, he cares about every aspect of our lives, but sometimes we think we have to go, go, go uh, and not slow down. So slow down in 23, be, be restored and be healed in Jesus name. Amen. Ooh, amen. Well, Dusty, we needed that. Friends, I hope you've been encouraged today. I hope you'll live into that. Friends being restored. Um, because remember, we're better together when we slow down and let God lead us. Um, and also when we lean into one another's to grow from one another's to do some of this work of cultural intelligence as well. And uh, Dee shared earlier, we can get this workbook a variety of places, but one of the easiest she said is on her website, dstokes.org. Is that correct, Dee? That's correct. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Well, Dee, thank you for being with us today. You've truly been a blessing. Thank you, guys. Love you guys a lot and hope to see you again soon. Absolutely. Well, share this podcast with someone that needs encouragement to grow to the next level and their leadership and just personal growth in general. Until next time, remember, we are better together. God bless.